0: We've gone from approximately 10,000 trips a year to I get excited when I have five a week. So we have our researchers, our academics going off internationally. We have our undergraduate students who we normally like to go off and have a semester overseas. And then we also have our international students coming in. So you can imagine when we've stopped international travel, it's really hit us and, and quite devastating.
1: Hello and welcome to Navigate, the travel podcast brought to you by World Travel Protection. I'm your host, Roger Cook, and you just heard from Liz Newbury, the travel manager for Queensland University of Technology, on the impact COVID-19 has had on their travel program. We'll hear more from Liz throughout the show as we focus on education and international travel in today's episode. As Liz mentioned, travel is an important part of the university curriculum. Study abroad board programs, academic research, and inbound international students all forming part of the university's travel program. Prior to the pandemic, migration data showed that there are over 5.3 million international students studying abroad, which helps to generate over 300 billion to the global economy. With borders opening across the world, we ask the question, will student travel resume? And if so, what will it look like? But before we go there, it's important to understand some of the factors about student travel. How important is international travel to the student? Is it critical for their understanding and education? Or is it just something that universities use to entice students to study their institution? In order to explore this in more detail, we spoke with Dr. Andrea Reid, who is the Global Education Manager for WTP, about her own study on this topic.
2: My PhD research was centred around how we make meaning from experiences and life experiences that don't have a formal curriculum. So I did this research in the context of study abroad. So I interviewed a bunch of study abroad students who'd been uh, studying in a university overseas for one or two semesters after they returned home. Some of the key messages from what the students said was how important study abroad is um, as a kind of personal learning journey for them. And when you think about students at that in that age group, they're kind of in that sort of 18 to you know 22, 23 um, age group, and a lot of them, or even if they're living out of home, it's their first experience of independence. It's, mm. it's that experience of of being somewhere new. So, it having global mobility experiences um, or opportunities, whether they're short term or longer term. It's so valuable for students in terms of being somewhere new and something that's almost impossible to replicate um, in a kind of virtual environment when you're not there. Um, I mean, obviously, we've had to do things like that in universities in the last year or so because of the pandemic. But I think anything really replaces that that first-hand experience.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The, the first-hand experience uh, is is vital, not only for personal growth, of course, but also professionally. You know, entering the workforce with practical in-country experience could provide the edge in some circumstances. So, how, how important is it for these study abroad programs to return?
2: I think, um, offering uh, study abroad and other short term global mobility experiences. That's a big part of what attracts a lot of students to a particular university. And um, I know there's a, a, a Bachelor of International Studies at, at UQ where a study abroad is a compulsory part of that program. And of course, you have the students who are studying languages where, you know, being able to immerse yourself in the language while you're studying away for six months is a huge boost to your learning. So, so there's, I guess, there's, there's risk there in terms of how you improve or enhance the learning experience. But, but for students, yeah, that's what they're looking for on a degree and, and looking for that extra thing. The other important part of study abroad or any kind of global mobility is employability development. I mean, a lot of employers are looking for students who have had a global experience. They're looking for um, even to, to use a kind of cliched word, a r- well-rounded um, individual, that, that degree is not enough anymore. So you have to offer something to an employer beyond just a set of marks on an academic transcript. And a learning that. Students gain, especially what I found in my PhD research, is just so valuable personally as well as professionally. Yeah. Um, you know, giving you confidence, um, faith in yourself, your know, ability to work with people from all different backgrounds, um, contacts that you make, those kinds of things. So I think it's it's a key part of, of, of learning in terms of students' uh, p- personal learning, but also for their employability and helping them on their careers, which is uh, or their career path, which is what you know universities are are there for to you know to support students in that way. So, so I think it's, real, it's super important that we're able to get, you know, travel up and running as soon as possible so that, that we can help students um, broaden their experience um, of university beyond just their studies in the classroom.
1: That was Dr Andrea Reid, the Global Education Manager for World Travel Protection, sharing her insights into study abroad programs and how vital they are for personal and professional growth. In order to explore in, in a broader context the impact that COVID has had on the university sector, I asked Liz Newbury of QUT what their travel program looked like and how it was impacted throughout COVID.
0: We've gone from approximately um, 10,000 trips a year to I get excited when I have five a week. To put that into perspective, um, of my 10,000 trips, probably 75% of those are international. And they, they are very important to us because we have both inbound and outbound international. So we have our researchers, our academics going off internationally. We have our undergraduate students who we normally like to go off and have a semester overseas. And then we also have our international students coming in. So you can imagine when we've stopped international travel. So it's really hit us and and quite devastating.
1: It has absolutely been devastating on the sector. You know, as we start to see the vaccine rates increase and, when we start to hear the talk of the borders opening are you seeing a renewed interest from staff and students to get back up there and start traveling again
0: most definitely the stu- the students would be long gone if we would let them um their parents for the undergraduates might have a bit of a say in that but our researchers a lot of them are doing collaborative research with international um institutions And while you can do a lot on teams and a lot on on being face-to-face and if they want to work in labs with them, it's really a bit hard. So, yes, we've certainly got appetite. I think it will be different, but I don't think it will be hugely different. The professional staff travelling will be a different thing, but I think for our academic travel and our student travel, it will bounce back fairly quickly.
1: I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts on what you think might be the biggest changes in this sector going forward with regards to travel.
0: I think moving forward, um, we will be, I think our academics will be keen to do one destination rather than multiple destinations in one trip because I just think it's going to be very difficult. Um, I don't think we're going to see really long trips and I think we're going to see less multiple destinations. The undergraduates, I'm not really sure where they're going to go, but I think they will still want to go to Europe or, or the US and do a semester. I can see our researchers resuming very quickly because they'll have deadlines on their research. They'll need to collaborate. We will see the decline I see is the Liz Newbury going to London for a conference, the professional staff member. Um, So if you think of a a, a, – we will still have our marketing people. We will still have our – Student recruitment officers travelling. We'll still have our researchers travelling. But will we have Liz Newburgh going to a conference probably? So I think that's where the difference is going to be until this all settles down. And also we've got to think that universities have financially been very hit by, by COVID, um, as with the travel industry as well. So um, it's going to be discretionary spending for, for probably at least 22
1: With this return to travel, do you you think the processes that we had pre-pandemic will be maintained or do you think we'll see a a shift in in, in how travellers organise and prepare to go uh, on these trips?
0: So we've all gone from passive approvals back to um, online approvals, We've gone back to having much bigger risk assessments done for things. We're making people declare things before they travel, and that's across the university sector. So it's interesting from three years ago where we all threw away everyone having to have um, an online approval to just having an email to we're all going back to have you done a risk assessment, have you got the right entry conditions. Um, Very, very different. I'm working now with a panel of our um, health and safety people with our research areas, with our international DVC on what do we put in place to reopen safely. So we've paused all international travel currently. Um, So what we want to do is what is going to be the best way for us? Now, we know today, out of the blue, Qantas have said all their staff have to be vaccinated. So we're going to sit back a little bit and wait and see and and we will use World Travel Protection, a lot of this, to give us this intelligence of what do people need to go where and when. We will be treating it much more like a visa. So you're going to the US or a country that requires a visa, it is your job to have done the research with the tools we've given you to know when you presented that airline to fly there or at that country to enter, you can meet the requirements. And I think that's where our partnership with you will really um, allow us to give them the tools to make the decisions. Um, I think for a while we will continue as we have now very high level approval. So rather than a head of school being able to prove it, we're up at executive dean level or for international at the moment, it's going right through to the vice chancellor. We're going to be relying on them being able to get accurate updates, changes to – and this is why I think multiple destination trips are going to be difficult, at least in next year. I'm not sure about the year after, but I was just reading an article this morning where people are travelling all around Europe with a a vaccination passport and are going in and out of every country. So, you know, hopefully that's where we'll get to. But the big thing for us is they've got to have the knowledge, they've got – got to be able to do it before they go. And we're working with our travel management company as well on that. And then they've also got to know what to do when they get somewhere and it goes pear-shaped. And we're finding that even domestically.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, we, we talk about international travel as, as being the focus and that's that's where a lot of the risk lays. But in the last 18 months, the domestic travel has, has definitely had its – Um, complexities and and, and required organisations to to change the way that they manage that.
0: Yeah, that's totally changed. And while I think we've always worried about international and when you have four to 500 people a week away in every continent in the world, that's always been where we're focused. But for the last 12 months, I mean, I got a call the other night to find out who was in Byron Bay because it was going into lockdown never even thought about monitoring who you know would have driven from brisbane to byron bay um it is much 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 higher up on our list um and and the policy changes we've had a look around that who's going to pay quarantine if someone goes to sydney and then has to quarantine in brisbane does it come out of their grant does it come out of university funds but we need to know who it is there and who it is so while we've, we've never really worried greatly about domestic travel, it's really high. I mean, it's, it's the only travel we've got, but we need to know these border closures just so impact us. And again, getting that information and getting help to people is, and getting it quickly and getting it accurately. And I think, um, as you know, we worked very strongly with World Travel Protection last year with the number of our students who were away on one-way tickets. So that's one of the policy changes. You've got to have a return ticket Um, because they were all overseas with no money and couldn't afford tickets. So it's interesting the things COVID has shown us that we didn't do well and we've had this pause to fix that.
1: It's great that you've captured the lessons learned from COVID-19 and and used these to improve your, your travel program. Well, what else have you managed to do given that we've had a, a bit of a hiatus with regards to travel?
0: It has given us that pause to reevaluate absolutely every part of our travel program, but with a huge emphasis now on risk management, and that is really the highest priority for us now, price and all of those things are important, but our people have suddenly become. Really important to us, because we need to know because we're going we're liable for them while they're travelling, so we need to know we're giving them the tools, and that those tools are a good quality tool that they can get the right information from, and that we show them how to find that and how to use it and then once trouble does go, they know what to do if something happens and they're, they're to me the key things. Um, I'm just putting a paper forward to our uh, senior executives now on um, from our little travel recommencement group on what we will probably have to look at, what will be our key. And risk management is the number one.
1: That was Liz Newbury, the travel manager at Queensland University of Technology. Uh, This is it for our episode today uh, on how COVID-19 has impacted the education industry and the importance of rebuilding these travel programs uh, for the students, academics and for the universities themselves. I'd like to thank Liz, uh, Andrea and Cheryl Hood who helped put this episode together. For more information on how we protect millions of global travellers and students each year, please visit worldtravelprotection.com or follow us on LinkedIn. Finally, if you enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more from our experts, be sure to subscribe, Uh, keep travelling and stay safe.